ओम ज्ञान and uh, there's no record of Shukadeva Goswami himself having been formally initiated. Uh, rather, in the previous verse, it's, it's stated by Sutta Goswami that Shukadeva Goswami didn't undergo any such ceremonies for initiation or anything else. Yam kaprajantamanapetamapetakatyam He's describing Shukadeva Goswami who left home without undergoing any reformatory ceremonies. Azura Goswami, his uh, link with Shukadeva Goswami is by hearing the Bhagavatam from him. And therefore, before reciting the Srimad Bhagavatam, he is offering his respectful obeisances to Shukadeva Goswami, whom he heard it. The Bhagavatam is eternal because it is the narration of the pastimes, qualities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But as Krishna appears in different forms in human society at different times. So does the Bhagavatam. We know that the Bhagavatam was spoken by the Supreme Lord himself in four seed verses to Brahma. And Vyasadeva spoke the Bhagavatam in a much more expanded form to his son Shukadeva Goswami. And Shukadeva Goswami here is mentioned that he assimilated it by his own experience and then again spoke that. And Sudha Goswami added some of his realizations, such as the very important series of verses that will begin from the next verse, or the next two verses, uh, from two verses from really describing the nature of, uh, of pure devotional service. So the uh, Bhagavatam is the description of the Supreme Personality of God in his various incarnations. It particularly deals with the original form of the Personality of Godhead, Krishna in great detail, in great detail means more than in other scriptures. Because even one second of Krishna's pastimes at Ananda Dev, he cannot reach the end of describing. Everything about Krishna is unlimited. But the Acharyas, they capture Krishna in his pastimes, in his synopsis, and they present it to the world. The only benefit as described here, Samsarinam Kuruniyaha Puranaguhyam. He spoke, Shurdev Goswami spoke this very confidential supplement to the Vedas out of causeless mercy upon materialistic people. Actually, the Bhagavatam is not meant for materialistic people. It is meant for Paramahamsas and is therefore called Paramahamsa Samhita. But if even materialistic people start to hear Bhagavatam from Bhagavat, the great devotee of the Lord, then they can also gradually become Paramahamsas. Shukadeva Goswami was what we might call the archetypal Paramahamsa. Oh, archetypal? Archetypal means uh, uh, the original form from which all others come. Or the, uh, it's the stereotype before the stereotype. Means the stereotype follows the original. It's the prototype. Prototype. That's the he was. Uh, he left home naked, wandered naked like a madman. But then when he came to speak on spiritual knowledge, it flowed from his lips like the great purifying Ganga river of nectar. 
So his consciousness was quite different to that of materialistic people. He had no interest in anything they were doing. His father, Vyasadeva, was certainly also Paramahamsa. But he was playing the role of a householder, in which a householder has social duties. But Shukadeva Goswami had no social duties to play. His only interest, his only activity was remembering the Lord and praising the Lord. Uh, so, even though he appeared to be completely detached from material life, which he was, he was still thinking of the good of materialistic people. He wanted to share the nectar of Krishna Katha with others. Therefore, he spoke to Pariksit Maharaj, Maharaj, who he found was uh, very eager to hear about Krishna. Maharaj Pariksit was apparently coming from a very materialistic background. He was a king. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu refused to see Maharaj Prataparudra. He said, to meet such a person, to, uh, to see a materialistic person or one attached to women, he said it is worse than taking poison. For a person who desires to be renounced and cross over material life, to see a materialistic person is worse. Of course, later when it was when demonstrated, the Maharaj Prataparudra was actually uh, internally completely detached from his material opulence and was very much eager to serve Krishna. Then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted. Uh, Parikshit Maharaj was demonstrating such a kind of renunciation of material life. Although he came from a very apparently materialistic background, he renounced it immediately. There was no forewarning that he would be cursed to die within seven days. There was There was no uh, warning. There was no, oh. there was no oh. forewarning. He was the unchallenged emperor of the world. All of a sudden the curse came, you must die within seven days. And immediately he accepted it. He didn't lament or think how to counteract the curse. Which he could have done. He was uh, he had enough mystic power to counteract the curse of the Brahmin body. But without being disturbed in his mind, he immediately said it all right. And he went to sit down on the bank of the Yamuna with the vow that during these seven days I will neither eat nor sleep, I will simply await the meat, meat nor sleep, or even drink water, I will simply await the coming of Takshak, the bird who was, sleep bird who was to kill him. But he didn't want only, he, he took a vow to sit without eating, sleeping or even drinking. But that wasn't all he wanted to do. There are many uh, yogis who think that simply by performing austerities they will be liberated. There is uh, one process of fasting till death, which people think if you do that then you'll be liberated. According to the Sankhya philosophers, if you simply give up, you just become completely detached, I mean, you, you just become literally detached from the material by such methods, then you can be liberated. In discussing these uh, various erroneous ideas of how one can be liberated, Sridhasrami, the original commentator on the Bhagavatam, has stated, let them jump from the tops of mountains, let them perform austere austerity, let them become great scholars. But without the mercy of Lord Hari, when 
without performing devotional service, no one can be liberated. Because there are various theories that by jumping off the top of mountains you can become liberated. Maybe those people who jump from the World Trade Center, they were thinking they're going to get liberated. I don't know. More likely they become a ghost. So anyway, there are various uh, theories how we can become, become liberated, but we can see that Parikshit Maharaj, he was very intelligent. That he didn't think that simply by performing austerities and accepting the bite of the snake bird, that was enough in itself. He wanted more, he wanted to understand more. And he asked the question of the various sages who came, that what is the prime duty of all human beings, especially if one is about to die? So it is a very intelligent question. It's a very intelligent question in more than one way. That intrinsically it's a very intelligent question, that uh, one should understand what is the duty of human life. But it was also very intelligent because by asking this question, Parikshit Maharaj could understand who among the many sages who had assembled there he wanted to hear from. Because Parikshit Maharaj was a great devotee from his very birth. Now, at the time of death, he just wanted to hear about Krishna. But so many sages had assembled there. And Nasaprishya Yasya Matamna Bhinnam, one is not known as a sage unless he has a different opinion from everyone else. And no doubt they were all eager to give their various theories to Parikshit to preach their various theories to Parikshit Maharaj. And maybe as sages are prone to do, they would have started a big discussion and argument over the nature of reality or non-reality, however they may perceive it. But Parikshit Maharaj, he wanted to avoid such useless theoretical wrangling. He uh, left home to fast for seven days and seven nights because he wanted to hear about Krishna at the time of death. He was so eager, he didn't even want to waste time as he considered it by sleeping or eating or even drinking. He simply wanted to concentrate his whole attention on hearing about Krishna. That was very much his tendency. Different devotees have different tendencies. Shubhadeva Goswami had very strongly had the tendency to glorify Krishna, so Parikshi Maharaj very strongly had the tendency to uh, hear about Krishna. And other devotees are inclined to different forms of devotional service. Lakshmi Devi is very much inclined to worship, to massage the lotus feet of the Lord. Prithu Maharaj is, is very much inclined to perform deity worship of the Lord. Many devotees, such as Akrura, are very much inclined to offer the Lord prayers. Mm. Hanuman is famous for his very strong inclination to serve the Lord in the mood of a humble servant. So in this way, Pariksha Maharaj, his particular inclination was to hear about Krishna. And he was so eager to hear, he thought, now I only have seven days left, I want to fill every moment of my life with hearing about Krishna. He was thinking, so many years I spent administering the kingdom, but my actual interest was only to hear about Krishna. So now I only have, now I only have seven days left, let me hear about Krishna. And thus prepare myself for eternal life in Krishna's service. But when Pariksha Maharaj went to fast on the bank of the Yamuna, so many great sages came from all over the universe. And although Pariksha Maharaj was certainly honored that they came to be present, he wasn't necessarily very eager to hear from any of them. Of course, many of the sages, they were also devotees, but even the devotional sages, they're mostly in the mood of Shantaras, worshipping the Lord, and uh, neutral, you know, just understanding his greatness. So Narad and Vyas, they were also present, they also came, and they could have also explained the, the knowledge of Krishna consciousness to 
to uh, Parishit Maharaj very nicely. And we would have expected that the sages present would have given deference to Narad and Vyas. But it appears that they didn't say anything. They simply let the different sages give different opinions. Because they are all-knowing. You see, many times Narad, he uh, even apparently sides with the demons. He gives information, for instance, to Kans that now your enemy who's to kill you is living in Vrindavan, knowing that Kamsa would send uh, so many persecutors. But he has Narad, although he sometimes appears to act in unusual ways, has the purpose to enhance the Lord's Leela. So Narad and Vyas, at this point, they simply kept quiet, and then Shukdev was running into the assembly. And everyone became silent, knowing that this is the correct person to speak. So Pariksha Maharaj, he asked the question, what is the prime duty of all human beings, and especially of one who is about to die? He himself knew the answer, because he was a great devotee from his birth. But he knew that only the person who could give him the right answer would be the right person to speak to him, Krishna Kata. Someone may have said, now you should perform pranayama. Someone else may have said that you meditate on the Lord within the heart. Someone else may have said that you uh, meditate on the universal form. We find that when Shukadeva Goswami began speaking to Parikshit Maharaj, he summarized these processes first of all. He accepted that these are different stages of God-realization. There were so many sages present who were uh, votaries of, this, of various such processes. But having summarized such processes, Shukadeva Goswami very soon came to the point that one should be a devotee, one should glorify Krishna. Actually, at the very beginning, uh, Shukadeva Goswami told uh, Parikshit Maharaj that the real thing you have to do is Tasma Bharata Sarvatma. Bhagavan if anyone wants to be free from fear, now you're in the fearful, apparently fearful condition of awaiting death, then you must hear about, glorify, and remember the personality of Godhead. But then again, he explained the meditating on the Vishnu Rupa and meditating on the Lord in the heart, and then again came to the point that. Actually, we have to perform pure devotional service. So, Parikshit Maharaj knew that, yes, this is the right person I have to hear. And everyone else accepted, yes, this is the right person I have to hear. We all have to hear. And even Vyas, who taught Shukadev Goswami, he also listened to what Shukadev had to say. And even Narad, who had instructed Vyas, whose mind was cluttered up by, by uh, describing so many subsidiary uh, factors of Vedic knowledge, even Narad wanted to hear from Shukadev. So uh, Vyas, he spoke this uh, Akila Shruti Sara, this Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the essence of all the Vedic literature. And Swanubhav, Shukadev Goswami assimilated it. Actually, Anubhav means experience. So Shukadeva Goswami heard the Bhagavatam and he experienced it. In other words, by hearing, he entered into the pastime. And thus, uh, he was blessed with so many realizations. 
which he expressed, and Vyasadeva himself, who had uh, spoken about these pastimes, also liked to hear how Shukadev had realized what, what realizations he had. Krishna gave Shukadeva Goswami the intelligence to have, have, have so many realizations. Shukadeva's uh, realization was, his, his intelligence was one with the message of Bhagavatam. Because his mood of uh, devotion was so strong that he was able to to uh, understand all the different exchanges of rasa going on between Krishna and his various devotees and to express them. So, uh, he's described here as Guru Maninam, he's the guru of great sages, uh, because he spoke this Bhagavatam in the presence of so many great sages, who were very learned person, still they had, they realized that even though we are very learned, we had to, something to learn from this young boy. But also, Samsarinam Karunayaha Purana Guhyam. He also spoke this very confidential message of Bhagavatam out of compassion for materialistic people. So it was, he was simultaneously speaking for the benefit of the Munis, who are not materialistic people, and for the materialistic people. How wonderful is Shukadeva's presentation, that it is uh, fully satisfying and enlightening even to great advanced Munis. At the same time, it is uplifting even to materialistic people. So, in this verse, Sutta Goswami has spoken some of the glories of Shukadeva Goswami. And if we consider, actually, what he is saying, we consider the various points that he is making, we can understand he is saying so much in just a few words. He himself is blessed with so much realization of the glories of Shukadev Goswami. So we have the gift of Shukadev Goswami presented by the Vyas of the modern age, Srila Prabhupada, just as Vyas compiled so many books for the benefit of human society, so Prabhupada compiled those same books of Vyas and presented them in a way suitable for modern society. Of course, Prabhupada wasn't speaking amongst great sages. He was speaking among greatly fallen people. But by speaking Srimad Bhagavatam to them, he made them greater than many, many great sages. So everything about this Bhagavat culture is simply astonishingly wonderful. And if we enter into the Bhagavatam, enter into the Bhagavatam by regularly studying and considering the text, then uh, Krishna will enrich our intelligence with so many realizations. The, uh, the Vaishnavas, the Shastra, the Shastra itself, plus the, the great Vaishnava Acharyas, have given paramount importance to the Srimad Bhagavatam. There is no book like Srimad Bhagavatam. It is the greatest of all literatures. So Prabhupada has very kindly given this to us. So it is our duty to study this and to distribute this for the benefit of human society. Hare Krishna. Any question? You read in Mahabharata that um, the story how the structure came uh, in the form of a golden uh, worm in the apple. And uh, Maharaj Parishat himself uh, uh, taking, his, uh, taking it, his, his destiny put 
put his on his head or his neck. So, so it's a different, seems to be a different version of that is described in Shaman Bhagavatam. Yes. Why, is, why is it that? Um, is it a different version or uh, just uh, Shukadev Goswami or Yasadev? He didn't want to include this, this story into this uh, exalted scripture like Shaman Bhagavatam. What should we tell uh, to people who will ask us this question? You ask you this question? What is that? Well, I've not seen any Acharya's commentaries on this subject, <laughs> but I've discussed it with other devotees. One thing is clear that Parikshit Maharaj is a liberated devotee of the Lord. It's the, according to the Bhagavad version, he could have counteracted the curse of Shringi if he wanted to. There was no need for him to build a fort to try to protect himself from Takshak, which he didn't mention. It's also said in Mahabharata, build a fort mm. to try to, so Takshak couldn't enter. So Mahabharata is mentioned in Bhagavatam, is written for Sri Shudra Dvija Bandhu, now less intelligent women, uh, Shudras and fallen members of the Brahmanaka. So it may present Parikshit Maharaj as a materialistic person. It may even be that Parikshit Maharaj um, it's even possible that he also expanded such a form of himself because uh, it wouldn't have been so easy for him just to leave the kingdom and go to the just leave everything be undisturbed after being the king one second and it's not so easy just to be a renunciate and all the ministers and your family and friends will come and harass you and say come on we'll build a fort for you don't give up everything, don't leave us now. So he may have expanded an illusory form to uh, fulfill the, the desires of his family, friends and ministers and just let them go on with the illusion of protecting him while he himself was actually enjoying hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. There are many points in scripture which if we, if we go deeply and start to consider, then so many questions will come. That's why I, I feel I have more questions now than about Krishna consciousness than when I first came to the movement. Is the deeper you go into the ocean of uh, Shastra, then the, 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 the deeper you find it is. And actually it's unlimited. Regarding the, the chapter in Bhagavatam uh, describing Rasalila, Vishwanath Chakravar Thakur says that, that each verse could actually be described in many, many ways. Yeah. There's so many more commentary could be given. He said, uh, he said some of which would be uh, generally understandable to most, and some which would not be understandable at all. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also said the same thing. That uh, what is that? Vibhushadashran, Patishoke Pati, Akkare Nana Atakari. Krishna told the Bhagavad, Vibhusavashray, Prati Shloki, Prati Akare, Nana Artakoi. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that Srimad Bhagavatam is same as Krishna, same level as Krishna. It is uh, all powerful and can give all shelter to all. So I, I'm practically finding now when I read Bhagavatam, it's just like readings completely, every time it's like a completely fresh book. 
Are you all studying this Bhakti Shastri course? Or are any of you studying? Zawashri, yeah? Oh. We just started this oh. correspondence course. Very nice. Very nice. Any other questions? In Harinava Chintamani, we have a right that devotee uh, on the level of Madhya Madhikari, who is confident that Krishna is non different from his holy name, and who lives far from materialistic persons and avoids ten offen- avoiding ten offenses, and very quickly, uh, mm-hmm. very quickly can uh, see Krishna, can realize Krishna in the sound of his holy name. So, what does it mean to live far from materialistic persons? Because um, today you are speaking also that it's that association with materialistic person. And, uh, I, would think if you, I, I would think if you see the original Bengali, you wouldn't, you would say far from materialistic association. I mean, it would be, it would be one who keeps himself aloof from material association rather than physically living far away. I don't know, because, but I would think so. Mm. Because you can live in the forest far away from materialistic people and still be in materialistic consciousness. Or you can live in the middle of a big materialistic city and be detached from material association. How is it possible to have this elevated consciousness while living in the center of a city? Uh, it's probably more possible than, live, than by living in the forest, definitely, because if we preach in Christian consciousness, we get more mercy from Krishna, without which is not possible. It's actually better that, that uh, books, especially philosophical books, are translated with, with a commentary. Especially on uh, you know some points which may be esoteric and confidential. <laughs> I mean this this book yeah, in general. Mm. Of course, that's a very big job. Just to translate it is a big job. You know? To get a commentary, that's another big job. Maharaj Parishit was a liberated soul and still very powerful king. Uh, do devotees need? to try to endeavor to occupy some material position in order to preach Krishna consciousness, to facilitate preaching Krishna consciousness. Preaching Krishna consciousness goes on under the shelter of the internal policy of Krishna. So the only real thing that's needed is to uh, be pure devotees of Krishna and to present the message of Krishna in the pure devotional manner. So that is the strategy. There are also tactics. You know this in military parlance. There's strategy and there's tactics. Strategy means the overall plan of action. And uh, tactics means the means to implement or or to, to the means to reach to the goal. So the general strategy is that we should become pure devotees and preach Krishna consciousness purely. So how to implement that, that is tactics. One of which could be to occupy a high position. This tactic was suggested to Prabhupada, but he wasn't very... He didn't think it was a very good tactic. Because to occupy such a high position is not a very easy thing to do anyway. There's, there's so much competition for it. Another reason is that... Uh, to take up political post means to take up very bad association. Another reason is that even if you have political power, if you try to impose something on the people that they don't want, 
then they'll shoot you, they'll throw you out. <laughs> it's not a very good idea to try to impose Krishna conscious principles on a population, but to, to impose them by force on a population who don't want to follow them. Therefore, Prabhupada recommended it's better to try to change the consciousness of the masses. And then uh, when they are favorable to it, then they will elect a leader who is Krishna conscious. Prabhupada did uh, approve, for some time he approved, that devotees, they run for the office of president in America. For what? For the office of president of the USA. Oh. Not that he expect, no one expected that they would get elected as the president. But it was as a platform for preaching that uh, they would appear on television and they would preach that leaders, they should propagate the proper, proper values and so on. But he, Prabhupada himself, um, he didn't push this program very much. He allowed the devotees to engage in that. But he said that no ISKCON funds could be used to re- have to raise funds as a political party. He said that no ISKCON funds oh. could be used for them. have to raise oh. their funds separately as a political oh. party. In God we trust party. So devotees, they had a few meetings and they had a few TV appearances and they had some of them. But uh, one thing Prabhupada saw, the bad association that the devotees would they'd have to mix with all kinds of very bad people, politicians. There's a famous saying in English, said Samuel Johnson, said that uh, politi- politics is the last scandal of rascals, uh, the, the last refuge of uh, the last resort of rascals, of the last resort of scoundrels. So it all means the same thing. Politics is the last resort of scoundrels. Samuel Johnson. I believe it was Samuel Johnson. Oh, he was a politician himself? No. <laughs> he was a lexicographer. Oh. That's what he's most for. And another reason is that it would require so much funds, which... So after a short time, the idea was dropped. Now devotees were very enthusiastic for that. Similarly, sometimes devotees say, "Let me become a great rock musician, and then I will influence people like that." Prabhupada also didn't approve of that idea. Just try to serve Krishna. Prabhupada very much stressed the most important uh, means of preaching is by book, distributing his books. He also put a lot of emphasis on prasad distribution, Harinam, festivals, especially Vasudev. There are many, many things which can be done. But these are the basic activities of Krishna Conscious Movement. You wrote uh, such great books, which are very small, but very, very fantastic. Which are small, but very fantastic. Like Vamshadas uh, Prabhaji and the story of Rasikulam. So I was thinking that who are these personalities? Who are the like Rasikananda, you described that he left his body by entering deity. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe he is some hidden incarnation of the Lord. Or well, according to uh, his followers in the Shamananda Sampradaya, he's an incarnation of Aniruddha, who is this, who is one of the forms of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know on what basis they say that. Probably one of their Acharyas has uh, said that. But uh, as you say, it's just like he, he disappeared by entering into the Lord, and then his, his great, tremendous, extraordinary power to preach suggests that 
he's if not directly Vishnu Amsha then a very highly empowered soul. Mm. Do we have a little prasad to distribute? Yeah. yeah. Let me give them a little prasad before they leave. What about Babaji? Um, he is a devotee, great devotee. Great devotees. Yes. And many great devotees are very have wonderful characteristics. The, the, the devotee is as good as the Lord, if not better than the Lord.